Uh, Fluffy shared this post. It says, just found $120 in some lady's wallet. God is good. (laughs) (laughs) Fluffy. Cognitive Contortions is a podcast designed with the intent of diving deep into a variety of conspiracy theories. While the hosts have closely examined the information available, it should be noted that they are not experts in any field of any kind. The following audio content is intended for entertainment purposes only and can tend to be offensive, though it seems pertinent to acknowledge that depending on who you are, almost anything could be considered offensive. And the data presented should only be critiqued by the laziest of critics. Enjoy. The Pope is a lizard and so is the Queen who murdered Diana and got away clean. Obama's a Kenyan. Yeah, we're recording. Uh-huh. I, I can make that your ringtone if you'd like when you Oh my god. <laughs> so, oh man, I really wish there was a way to go back and like see this uh this live video, but there ain't. Just big fat knot no more. Big fat nope. Got to learn next time look up what to do with those or how to do. How do Instagram live how do cuz I might do it again. Oh. Save. I mean, do. even if five <clears throat> people watch it, I feel like that's worth doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's more people than are listening. <laughs> I, I as far as I fucking know. Yeah. That's not true. I just sent you a stat of how many people listened in a 24 oh, hour no. period like a week ago. How many I listened to in a 24 hour period. <laughs> oh, man. They are all me. Don't say that. That's you, real disheartening. Oh, you could have kept that lie to yourself. You've, I didn't need after it. After you've ended a live video, you can tap the save button in the in the top left corner. I just closed out of it. That's great. I, <laughs> I was going to say, it now look be, up how to... It could still be going. Now, now look up how to end it. How do you end... Because that's the first Instagram step. Instagram live video. We're so dumb. <laughs> See? No aliens. No aliens coming to Earth to get us. To put this in perspective, uh, Tyler's the one in charge of it because I didn't know shit about it and didn't care enough to learn because it seems... Instagram live? Anything can Instagram do with Instagram. Period, Instagram. Yeah. I literally just texted him. I was like, hey, so here's the thing. I don't know shit about Instagram. And I started to watch a video and figured out real quick that I don't fucking care. Could you do this? Instagram is my favorite, though. I put pictures of dogs sometimes when I see them around. And <laughs> it's, you know. I see them around. Uh, All I, I care about. All I care it's about a consensual dog. photo. Then that's fine. But... I, w- I had asked to see it earlier how to, like, post the poll thing. And she was like, how do you not know that? I was like, you see the stuff I post. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I know it's in there. I know it's a thing. I don't know how to get to it. Where? Where is it? I am running the Instagram page. These, <laughs> these are my questions. I didn't save that video because I didn't know how to end it. <laughs> oh man! To the listener at home, I'm an idiot. <laughs> hey, doing great. You got any more Twizzlers? Doing great. No, just the last one that you ate. That's all we got. <laughs> Sorry, man. It's a Slim Jim. Can't have your Twizzlers and eat them too. Oh, you can. That's Here's the Almost thing, the... I've always I I've always hated that saying. It's yeah. only because it's said backwards, so it doesn't make any sense. Because I've always been like, well, you can't have your cake and eat it too. And it's like, well, how can I eat cake if I don't have it? It doesn't make any sense. When I gotta eat someone else's cake, but yeah. the saying is backwards because what it actually means is like you can't eat your cake and have it too. Yeah, like saying like you can't you eat it, it's gone. Yeah, you can't spend this hundred dollars but also have a hundred dollars. Yeah. 
Well, you can if you're a billionaire. You could spend more than $100. If you spend that 100 it's gone. You can't launch a car into space and still have that car. Exactly. You could just build a new one that dances. You can't. <laughs> that is a real thing, by the way. His newest... Do you think Do you think they, like, did anything differently? Or do you think that it's a full-blown car? Like, do you think it has a horn? There's no the point car? in having a horn. Oh, what, the one in space? Yeah. Probably. Because why not? Here's the thing. Here's you, the thing. If, if you, you if, a, if you beep a horn in space, how far do you think that sound travels? It doesn't. So here's the thing. There's no sound in space. The the vac. Pardon? S- sound relies off of uh, the sound waves bouncing off of something and coming back to you. That's how you get like echoes. There's bigger things further away, and the sound bounces more and goes <clears> further and comes back. The where, thing is, where does the, the horn vacuum come from? If it comes from the inside of the car, it could bounce off of the car itself and make a noise. It's not big enough though. If it made a noise, it'd be like. Closer, please. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope the mic. <laughs> be about like that, but only if you were like ear ear up to it. Any no, it's just the the thing is that the space is just so fucking big. You have to take off your helmet to hear it. Yeah. Well, also too, it has to do with it. Also has to do with the fact that uh, on Earth, sound doesn't just travel and bounce off of things. It travels through like molecules and shit through the atmosphere around us. Microbial. So, Mike, Mike, Mike. If it wasn't for microbial, we wouldn't be able to speak well, to one another. And the thing, what I love is our Lord and Savior, microbial. <laughs> Lord and Savior, microbial. Can we make a T-shirt that just says, "Who is microbial?" <laughs> yes. I don't know if they'll let us publish it on our website. By the way, listener, T-shirts available. We posted it, but nobody looks at our stuff. But it's up there. Uh, Spreadshirt.com/slash see contortions. All thirty-four of our uh, followers. Let's see if anyone. Uh... Liked it? Liked it. Well, I you, think you posted one. It twice. One did. I no, did. Bad. I posted one with like four and one with like seven shirts. More shorts. I'm pretty sure <laughs> More shorts. each one I had to go on and uh, edit some grammar mistakes, but it's Pro- in there. Probably. <laughs> I'm sure you did. <laughs> I love right, Three people like this one and five people like this one. Oh. Many of them are me. You like this one and you did not like that one. Oh. They're, they're actually all different people. So we got eight. Look at that. Eight likes total on this dude. Yeah. <laughs> Look at us, guys. Gosh. Yeah, go out and get you some shirts. No, it's what just it, some shirts, but I... I gonna, hold up. What I was going to say I is... I wasn't done explaining why sound isn't in space. Oh, okay. Go for it, then. No, yeah, we're it's, talking about clothing. Yeah, it's, but, but anyway, let go back to my thing real quick, and then we get to Aaron's thing real quick, and then you can interrupt Aaron later, as we do, uh, because there's no atmosphere in space. The vacuum of space is so fucking big, it's not just that there's not stuff there for the sound to bounce off of. It's also that there's no, like moisture or molecule or any kind of atmosphere for the sound to travel through to even get to something. Big ol' nothing. A big ol' bunch of bullshit. So explosions in space and stuff would actually just be fucking silent. You wouldn't hear it. Because there's nothing there for the sound to travel through. Anyway. Fascinating. What I was gonna say is... is crazy. Human beings, human beings are so fascinating by like how dumb we are, and we're just fascinated with dumb stuff. <laughs> I was just thinking like cats. I I didn't hear, <laughs> I didn't hear anything about him. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Elon putting Musk putting put the car, car in space. space. Like he built like kind of a sustainable rocket ship that can go up and come back, and we can mm-hmm. reuse it and use that to sh- send one of his cars into space with mm-hmm. all of the world's information and science and history and data. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I heard about in the last, like, year was, like, mm-hmm. the Tesla truck. It was like, the windows won't break, and he threw something and it broke, and people were like, look at him, he's so dumb, the window broke. Yeah. Can you believe that? What an idiot. Yeah. 
Like, man, human beings are so <laughs> dumb. Yeah. That's the only thing I've heard and like, the only <laughs> video I've watched, the only thing. I read an article about how this glass was supposed to be bulletproof yeah. and it broke with like a rock. It's like we're so dumb, me included. I'm saying myself, yeah. <laughs> myself included. Because that's I am all so dumb. That's your whole entire Elon Musk point of reference, and you just learned that apparently he has his roadster in space because he could. Yeah, because he could. Because that's how smart he actually is. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know. Because in my mind, in my mind, he was like, oh, I suppose that wasn't supposed to break, and it broke. That's really embarrassing. At the end of the day, he's like, who the fuck cares? I have all of this. Yeah. yeah. Like. Yeah. End of the day, he's going to be like, you know what? Next time it won't break. I should probably fix that. Whatever it was. What happened there, by the way? I thought we worked that out. Oh, man. He seems, uh, from all the stuff I've seen about him, he seems like a very, very awkward, like doesn't like people, but also like just a genuinely nice guy who has, he has enough money, he gets to be a kid. Yeah. And he also, he's, he's so fucking like brilliant. I don't think he ever really was a kid. So I think in the interview I heard with him, it was, he was asked like, how early did you know you were different from other people? And he was like five. In the womb. Four or five, I could tell I was different because like I just the, like thought the Michael of... Jackson thing without diddling kids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He just knew he was different because the way he had looked at everything. And he, I said, he said it like as a little kid, it freaked him out. He thought people were gonna think he was crazy and like put him away. So he just kind of tried to blend in as best he could. And eventually, he realized, oh, I'm just fucking smarter than everyone. Embraced it and then became who he is now. Just a guy with a Tesla in orbit around Earth. <laughs> Do you think, do you think, see, if I was him with that, like, uh, dummy, I would just, like, go up there myself and just, like, sit in the car for a while. Just, yeah. Like, yeah. I was just thinking so about that. Cool. <laughs> just sit with your test dummy and be like, I'm so cool. Look at what I did. Look what I did. Aren't we great? We're just, great. And then just drive it right back. Just drive it straight back. I just sit up there just, like, I knew that he put a car in space. I never really thought about the details of it. I never imagined that. It you was never a actually fucking convertible. You never actually pictured the imagery. <laughs> wearing with a his, helmet with his arm out the window. <laughs> yeah, look at it again. <laughs> That's fucking amazing. Uh, look at just, it again. We just looked at that just seven days ago. Fucking cruising. Yeah. A whole calendar week ago. A whole calendar week ago. <laughs> you gotta get your your Tesla in space. Yeah, I gotta keep it back. In. I got Bezos dick ship. <laughs> He's got his arm up there, just hanging out. I love that they like positioned him. He's just like chilling with like his arm out the window. Mm-hmm. Like, why Hanging. would you? Why would you do that? Why would you think to do that? It's so incredible. Because why not? I was gonna say because once you think to his do it, his hand is and... on the steering wheel. Yeah, yeah. Of course it is. He's he wasn't wearing crazy. a seatbelt. He would have like floated out, right? Yeah, I assume so. Man, is that one just? Is that one big like wear your seatbelt advertisement? Like... Wear your seatbelt, or you'll float out in the space. <laughs> Bob would be a million miles away from the Earth by now. All right, well, I'm not really sure how to segue here, so I'm gonna get some. Talking about outer space, we're we're, we're, there's we're very close there. Is that still our topic? Yeah, well, we sort of. I'm gonna get some whiskey, and we're gonna get into this because this one is gonna be interesting. We're gonna start talking. uh, I've decided a good place to kind of jump off with this is going to be alien abductions. Oh, hell yeah. man. So we're going to start with some alien abductions. We're going to specifically start with one of the uh, most popularized, publicized, and earliest well-documented abductions in American history in 1961. That is the abduction of Barney and Betty Hill. After I get a drink. Oh is Barney Rubble's wife's name Betty? Weren't they on the Flintstones? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe hmm. fuck yourself. I'm going to pee. Mm-hmm. Dang. Couldn't be anymore. All right. Just for reference... 
That roadster costs two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Oh my god! Yeah, sounds about right. I said last week I will never be able to afford that car. I didn't. I thought it was maybe like sixty, seventy. Yeah. I won't even be able to dream about affording that car. Like it's it's so weird with that weird thing. It's like beyond like a hundred thousand dollars. I can't even wrap my head around like how much money something is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, this, uh, it's, there's just, they're just numbers. They're just blank numbers with no meaning at that point. It's like, oh, this rocket costs $14 billion to make. It's just like, I don't know, that's just money. Like, past the... Uh, that's not real. That's not, that's not a real amount of money. It's just like, uh... No, that's... Nobody signed a check, $14 billion, yeah. Jeff yeah. Bezos. Like, nobody <laughs> fucking did that. You know what I mean, though? Like... Out of like something, out of the price range of something I can afford, like that money does, it's not even a thing. Like that much money doesn't even exist. It doesn't. Like I can afford my $500 rent. Yeah. It's like, but say, you say $100,000 and I think, oh, that's the next three years of my life. That's real depressing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's always like a good year. If I get a second job, I work at least an extra 15 hours a week. I might, I might hit it. Maybe I could take a little vacation, go up to Delaware for two days in an Airbnb. That'd be real nice. Right. Yeah. You know, get exotic with it. Go somewhere I haven't been you know what yet. I mean? Like the car that he sent into space was two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and that was just a passenger along for the ride in his spaceship in yeah. his the test run of his reusable rocket ship. Uh -huh. Like at that point, money is irrelevant. It's just yeah. I have a question. Do you think we could try to convince Jeff Bezos to sponsor us? I'm at Elon Musk. Either one. Either one. Mm. Well, I feel like Elon Musk would be the person to go to for this To come, to come on our podcast. <laughs> I mean, that, possibly, yes. But to fund our project to put a Camaro into a pool filled with magazines. <laughs> this is true. I mean, hey, you like doing dumb shit with cars. We have this 1976 have, well, hey, Camaro. We'll, we'll, bail on the, we'll bail on the Camaro. We could send a Tesla into a pool full of macaroni and listen, cheese. Listen to how quietly this car drives into this pile of mac and cheese. You don't even hear the car. You just hear... Oh, pool. For your, pool of mac and cheese. For your audio Sploosh. entertainment and for the overall quality of your enjoyment of this experience, we have used a Tesla. <laughs> so that you will only be receiving the audible sounds of the mac and cheese sloppy mess that it will be making. And I'll tell him my plan to drive it, and he'll be like, you don't even need to drive it. It's self-driving. It'll mm -hmm. drive itself into the mac and It'll cheese. It'll do a dance into the mac and cheese. So here's, here's one last thing I do want to say just before we get into our actual topic of the evening, but when it comes to how fucking crazy... Money wiki, is wiki to how how to contact Elon Musk. <laughs> uh, but to to kind of just point out how insane it can be, like the whole billionaire mindset, like what do they spend their money on? What the fuck? There's this thought experiment that Neil deGrasse Tyson likes to do, uh, where it involves Bill Gates because he's like one of the most prominent fucking rich billionaires everybody knows about. He has a you know I think it's 106 estimated billion dollar net worth. So, Neil deGrasse Tyson does uh, basically the, the equational math of, like, most people, like, say your average American income is fifty to 60000 or whatever, right? Most people, with that kind of an income, what's the smallest amount of money you'll stop to pick up? Most people would say a quarter. So, if you figured out uh, their income and how little of their income that is and yeah, how... Sorry, who's stopping to pick up a quarter? Just re your average people, right? Like, if they, if most people would stop to pick up a quarter, that like, what's the smallest amount of currency you would stop to pick up for? Most people say a quarter. Just follow me here. Stop being you. I'm not... I'm just... I, would, you, <laughs> would you pick up a quarter? I'd pick up a quarter. I wouldn't pick up a dime. I'd no. I'd pick up a quarter. I'd pick up a quarter. 
Quarters are the only thing that's still useful as far as change goes. Anyway. I, I think it might be my spine. Like, if I'm bending over for something, it's got to at least be a dollar. <laughs> yeah. But, not, not even a dollar bill. Like, it's got to be like a 20 or something. Like, ah, that's not worth it. Either a 20 or a $2 bill. A $2 <laughs> bill because that's the type of currency Scott likes to do. <laughs> Small tasks. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so most people theoretically would suffer a quarter, and Neil deGrasse Tyson, just because he's who he is, he finds math fun. So he did the math to figure out, like, what percentage of a person's income 25 cents is if the average income is 50 to 60 grand. Okay, and what, per- depressing, what yeah. percentage of money that would be to Bill Gates. Would you like to take a guess at what the uh, equationally of what smallest amount of up. currency he would stop to pick up would be? $100,000. Unfortunately, Aaron, you have guessed over. So the spin goes to Tyler. Would you like to spin the wheel or would you like to take a guess on the vacation package? Yeah, it's $250,000. So a briefcase full of money is the smallest amount of money that a house is what uh, if 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 Bill Gates dropped roadster. a if Bill Gates dropped a house or a Tesla that's like floating the, in space he'd stop to pick deed, that up the deed to somebody's house yes it's just like man I, I guess I'm gonna pick it up like there but be, be remember fuck, America yeah. there is no fucking possible way to pay for healthcare for everybody that'd be insane that would cost I don't know billions of dollars wow. So to get off of that topic, though, um, <laughs> I, am, I am super depressed now. Yeah, let's. That's fucking awful. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. <laughs> so while we're worrying about the sad reality of the world and the fact that you know money's everywhere, but only for like a hundred people, uh, let's talk about something else that's a little bit worrying and depressing instead, right? Oh, something God. that's a little more out of our immediate control. That would be alien abductions. Oh, okay. This, this is, is going to be this fun. Is definitely less depressing. Yeah. Uh, like I mentioned a, co- a little bit ago, specifically the, the abduction we're going to start with is the one of Barney and Betty Hill. Uh, they are extremely iconic when it Rub- comes yeah, to... Rebel. 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 Yes. Sorry. Yeah, Barney and Betty Rebel. Uh, they are very iconic, though, when it comes to the whole alien abduction world. Most of the time when you think of alien abduction, most people think of like, oh, there's big, tall, skinny aliens or something. Or people who look weird, who aren't quite human, they take you up, they like stick something in your butt maybe, they swab, well, me, your, hopefully. swab your cheek <laughs> and shit, and then they like poke and prod you, and then they drop you back off. And that's, you know, this is a great time for most people, but not everyone. And, <laughs> and then you go about your day. That pretty much comes from their account, normal. Uh, which is one of the most documented. Okay of the pretty much any time actually so fun fact most of uh the woman betty hill's notes and other tapes recorded tapes and items and things like that that she used to document their experience after the fact and through the years are placed in a permanent collection at the university of new hampshire so you can go look at them there in new hampshire yeah i think you can look at them there if not i'm probably not going to do that (laughs) they're uh I'm you know, like, whatever. <clears throat> and also, in July of 2011, the State Division of Historical Resources marked the site of the alleged craft's first approach with a historic marker. So, if nothing else, there's at least a few people in local government who do kind of take it serious enough to mark it historically. Because this is also uh, an encounter that there was a movie made off of with James Earl Jones oh, and yeah. some white lady who played his wife. It was like a straight-to-TV made movie, but yes, it, it existed. And good old Darth Vader was part of that. 
one Google search. That's all it took. Oh, man. That's all it took. Oh, my God. That's fucking good. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and share that later. The abduction of Barney and Betty Rubble. (laughs) Fuck, that's incredible. So, uh, we're going to do a little bit of a deep dive into these guys. Uh, The Hills themselves lived in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Uh, Barney was an employee for the uh, United States Postal Service. And Betty was a social worker. They were active in, like, local Unitarian groups. Uh, they were also members of the NAACP, community leaders, and Barney sat on a local board of the United States Commission of Civil Rights. They, uh, they were an interracial comp- couple during a time where that was not popular at all to be. According to a variety of reports given by the Hills, uh, just through the different years as they did, you know, their initial reports, follow-up reports, interviews, things like that. Uh, the alleged UFO sighting happened on September 19th in 1961 around 10.30 p.m. The Hills were driving back to Portsmouth from a vacation in Niagara Falls uh, and just south of Lancaster, New Hampshire. Betty claimed to have observed a bright light in the sky that moved from below the moon and the planet Jupiter upward to the west of the moon. Uh, When Barney was navigating Route 3, Betty reasoned that she was just observing a falling star, except that it was moving upward, which was a little interesting, strange to her. A little bit later, though, it began to move uh, erratically and grew bigger and brighter, and Betty eventually urged Barney to stop the car for, one, a closer look, and also she had to walk the dog because they had a dog, and boy, has got to go bathroom. You don't want him <laughs> pissing in the car. Of course. Uh, so he stopped around a uh, scenic picnic area just south of the Twin Mountain. So they knew where they were. They knew what they were doing. They knew the area, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the, the, the Betty was looking through the binoculars, uh, and she observed what she called an odd-shaped craft uh, with flashing multicolored lights traveling across the face of the moon. Because her sister had several years, years earlier said that she had seen a flying saucer, Betty thought that that might be what she was observing. So this is something that she's heard of before and is at least open to the idea. She didn't think that her sister was crazy, so, you know, she's open to the, the thought of it. Uh, Barney, not so much. He thought that it might have been a plane originally, but the thing was he soon changed his mind because without looking, though, as if it had turned through a regular trajectory like a plane would do, it suddenly changed its direction and started rapidly descending towards him where he was. Uh, This made him realize that's definitely not a plane because that's not what they do. So they quickly got back into their car and they started driving towards uh, Franconia Notch, a narrow mountainous stretch of road trying to get, you know, just out of the general area and go some home. some kind of plane expert, huh? Hmm? He's some kind of plane expert. <laughs> I was going to ask, when... So if there have been so many encounters and sightings and stuff like that, when was it... I guess it was... Is it like a government, like media thing? When was it that it's... Things like that started being dismissed as like, oh, they're just like crazy or on drugs or like something like that. You know what I mean? Um... I think we talked about that actually in our first episode. I want to say that was the early 50s is when they first started. Because the uh, the CIA, I believe it was, had actually investigated <clears throat> UFO phenomena and reports a little bit, sending you know people to talk to the, the, the witnesses and stuff, and decided from the information they found, based off of those interviews, that they needed to start a anti-information uh, campaign, I guess, to debunk Damn. UFOs and stuff, yeah, to I try and keep that, people that from... Yeah, familiar. I yeah. guess we did talk they, about they, Basically, they thought that people, especially in the 60s, and probably they were right, would panic and have fucking chaos and pandemonium everywhere. And they are like, maybe just don't let them know about it or tell them it's not real. Keep them calm. Um, he was not a plane expert, but he did work for the post office. And, I mean, they seem like sharp guys. <laughs> <laughs> Neither plane, nor, nor snow, nor sleet, nor rain, am I right? I work 
For the U.S. Or Postal aliens. Service, and I know goddamn well planes don't do that. <laughs> um, yeah, so the, the Hills claimed that they basically uh, kept driving on the isolated road, moving relatively slowly through uh, Franconia Notch in order to observe the object as it continued to come closer. Uh, at one point, the object passed above a restaurant and a signal tower on top of Cannon Mountain and came out near uh, what is called the Old Man of the Mountains to landmark up in that area. Betsy testified that it was at least one and a half times the length of the granite, uh, granite cliff profile, so that means it was about 40 feet long, and it seems to be rotating. Uh, the couple watched as the silent illuminated craft moved erratically and bounced back and forth in the night sky, approximately one mile south of Indian Head. They said that the object rapidly descended towards their vehicle, causing Barney to stop in the middle of the highway. Uh, the huge silent craft hovered about 100 feet or so above the hill's 1957 oh, Chevrolet Bel Air and filled the entire field of view in the windshield. It, Barney said it kind of reminded him of a huge pancake. So that classic flying saucer looking thing. Let me see here. Uh, carrying his pistol in his pocket, he stepped away from the vehicle... Uh, after they had stopped and moved a little bit closer to the object itself using the binoculars, he claimed to be able to see about 8 to 11 human figures who were peering out of the craft's windows. <clears throat> or humanoid figures uh, peering out of the craft's windows, seeming to look at him. Uh, in unison, he said all but one figure moved to what appeared to be a panel on the rear wall of the craft's windows. Uh, all but one of them, and the last guy was just kind of looking at him, it would seem. Um, the one remaining continued to look at Barney and communicated a message to him telling him to stay where you are and keep looking. Barney had a recollection of observing uh, the humanoid forms wearing, like, kind of glass, uh, glossy black uniforms and black caps. He also said that there were red lights on what appeared to be batwing-like fins that, that began to telescope out of the sides of the craft, and a long structure descended from the bottom of the craft. The UFO began to approach what Barney estimated was within about 50 to 80 feet of them from overhead and about 300 feet away from him. Um... Yeah, he also said in a different interview later in 1961 of October, so a little bit later that year, he also reported to the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, uh, NICAP, NICAP. Uh, he reported to investigator Walter Webb that the beings were T-Rex hands, somehow not human. Uh, Barney had torn the binoculars away from his eyes and began to run back to his car in basically a near hysterical state. He told Betty that T-Rex hands are going to capture us. Because, again, the guy had told him to stay calm and stay where you are. And people were moving around. They're probably going to come capture you. I would, I would put two and two together and yeah. assume that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, he saw the object again shift its location to directly above the vehicle. He drove away as fast as he could, telling Betty to look for the object to try and keep an eye on it. She rolled down the window and started looking up. She said that almost immediately, the hills heard a rhythmic series of beeping or buzzing sounds which they said seemed to bounce off the trunk of their vehicle. Uh, the car vibrated and a tingling sensation passed through their bodies. Uh, the Hill said that then they experienced the onset of an altered state of consciousness that left their minds kind of dulled. Uh, a second series of beeping or buzzing sounds returned the couple to full consciousness sometime later. They found out that when they were returned to full consciousness, they had traveled nearly 35 miles south, uh, but only had vague, spotty memories of the entire journey there and sections of that road. They recalled making a sudden unplanned turn, encountering a roadblock, and observing a fiery orb in the road. Any oh. thoughts or feelings so far? This is just their initial uh, account, and we get a little bit more in detail later about corroboration of that account and possible things that make it seem more credible the deeper you get into it. But I mean, 
Yeah, seems legit to me. Yeah, that's kind of what I was going to say. I mean, I I think I just kind of accept things like that pretty yeah. easily. <laughs> yeah. As far as like, because I think there probably are aliens and stuff like that. Yeah. So listening to that, it was more like, oh man, that's fucking crazy. Than yeah. like deciding whether it was, I, I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> like not like deciding, I don't know if I had to believe this. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. That happened to these people. There's yeah. poor people. It's poor, this poor couple. All like, of, all of this definitely happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the... It was more, like, intriguing than, like, skeptical listening. Just like, what happened? Tell me what happened next, Pa! Well, 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 Billy, <laughs> I'll tell you what happened next. Is, uh, right afterwards, uh, arriving home, they rode home sometime around dawn. Uh, <laughs> the hills, the hills up there, golden them hills, but the hills assert that they had some odd sensations and impulses they could not readily explain. Mm. And Betty insisted that their luggage be kept near the back door rather than in the main part of the house, just in case. Their watches, their watches would never work again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That is a true thing. Their watches would never work again. They did. Would never work again. They did have weird impulses and feelings. That seems like a really like anticlimactic end of a book or something like that. It's just like this whole story of these aliens. Their watches would never. Their watches would never work. (laughs) The end. You're just like, what? I just read that whole book. That's the end of it. Why were the aliens here? What were they doing? What happens next? What happens to these poor people? Do they stay married? Do they get get divorced? Do they kill? Watches. Didn't work. <laughs> Ties everything up. Uh-huh. Ties everything up. <laughs> All those loose ends you're looking for, they're wrapped up neatly with this watch chain that doesn't work. Oh, uh, yeah, so again, they got home pretty early or late, I guess. The watches never worked again. <laughs> they, uh, they, you don't know. They don't, they don't know. They, they, don't know. A, they didn't know what time it was. I don't know. Uh, Barney said that the leather strap for the binoculars was torn, uh, though he doesn't particular, he couldn't remember it having torn at any point during the events previous to the evening. He just noticed this the next day later on. Um, he also said that, and again, this is when they're first at home and they're feeling disoriented and confused and very awkward. Uh, Barney said that the leather strap, yeah, uh, the toes of his best dress shoes were all scraped up. Uh, he also says that he was compelled to examine his genitals. You with your feet. So what happens when you drive with your feet? Barney Rubble? Uh... <laughs> that, took, that took me a minute. Sorry. Well done, well done. It's funny because I was actually... Thank you, thank you. The Barney Rubble joke. I was actually, whenever you said he slammed on the brakes, I was picturing him <laughs> like putting his feet down like... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, after fuck... are gone, but we stopped. <laughs> Still got the toes. Not, not anymore, Barney. Uh, but yeah, he said he noticed that the toes of his best dress shoes were all scraped up. He also said that he was compelled to examine his genitals in the bathroom, though he found nothing unusual. Uh, and they I both... Mean, they've always been this big. <laughs> and they don't, both... Don't we all? <laughs> they both ended up taking, you know, pretty long showers to remove any possible contamination, and also each drew a picture of the things that they had observed to try and keep it fresh in case yeah. it ever went anywhere. They obviously were feeling pretty confused and perplexed, but they said they tried to reconstruct the chronology of events as they witnessed the UFO and drove home. Uh, But immediately after hearing the buzzing sounds, both of their memories became pretty much incomplete and fragmented. They couldn't clearly piece together what happened next. 
After sleeping for a few hours, Betty awoke and placed the shoes and clothing she had worn during the drive into her closet. Uh, she observed that the dress had a tear at the hem, zipper, and lining, and later when she retrieved the items from her closet, she noticed kind of like a pinkish powder on her dress. She put it outside basically just to kind of let the wind blow it away and clean it off or whatever, because she didn't know what it was, didn't really want to keep it, and was not really thinking straight, probably. Freaking, freaking out. <laughs> She she pretty much decided after doing that that the, the dress was <clears throat> fucked up. She's not going to be able to fix it, really. So she threw it away and then later thought that might not be a good idea. I might want to hold on to this for some evidence or some reason. Right. Unfortunately, she didn't have that thought before she hung it out to dry and let whatever pink powder that may or may not have been right. blow off in the breeze or whatever happened there. Uh, it has, of course, though, later been... Uh, conducted or the later over the years there's been five separate chemical and forensic analysis done on the dress uh, I don't believe anything's really come of that but they have been trying shit to see there were also shiny concentric circles on the trunk of their car that had not been there the previous day and Betty and Barney experimented with a compass noting that when they moved it close to the spots the needle would kind of just start spinning free spinning but when they moved it <clears throat> within a few inches away it would start to point true north again interesting uh they don't really know what the fuck that's about either just it just is pretty cool though so woo they uh they did file reports about this they kept it to themselves for a little bit because they weren't 100 percent sure what to do about it but uh on september 21st of 1961 betty telephoned the pease air force base to report their ufo encounter Though for fear of being labeled eccentric, she withheld some of the details. On the 22nd of September, Major Paul W. Henderson telephoned to the Hills to get more details and do a longer-form interview. Uh, he reported a couple days later that he determined that the Hills had probably misidentified the planet Jupiter. <laughs> now, again, she left certain details out. But still. But still. Like, nah. Like, all of the There details? was a spaceship. I, I want to say probably the part about, like, uh, the like, buzzing and the whirring, right. losing part of your time. Maybe yeah, maybe, maybe the part about her husband. Driving, and we saw something. Like, oh, it's Jupiter. Yeah, maybe, like, uh, <laughs> a gas the, giant. maybe the a gas giant, right? Uranus is a gas giant. It was Uranus. <laughs> Uranus is a gas giant. That's right. I forgot. Or your husband's anus. Either way. <laughs> probably it that gas giant. It was your husband's giant. anus that you saw in the sky that night <laughs> nothing to be scared of just your husband's anus here <laughs> so yeah uh he, he said they probably misinterpreted it as jupiter which is i sounds like bullshit to me sounds like something that a government agent would say in the 1960s when they thought everybody was that dumb <laughs> uh his report was later forwarded though to project blue book the uso's uh the usa's Eunasia's Air Force <laughs> UFO research project, which was a sub-project, I believe, of MK Ultra that we talked about. That's called the Blue uh, Book. Yeah, Project Blue Book. Uh, within days of the encounter, Betty had gone to the lo local library and borrowed a UFO book that had been written by a retired Marine Corps Major Donald E. Kehoe. Kehoe. Just sounds spelled like it sounds. Kehoe. Key that hoe. Yeah, he was also the head of NICAP, a civilian UFO research group. Uh, on September 26th, she wrote to Kehoe. She related the full story, including the details that she didn't give to the U.S. government, who wrote it off as, you know, wherever it was, Uranus, the gas giant. I don't remember what it was. Jupiter. <laughs> um, she related the full story, including the details about the humanoid figures that Barney had observed through the binoculars. I'm guessing that's probably the main part that she left out, was that they saw people inside. Yeah. Especially if you get that far into the story and you can already tell this guy's like, I don't fucking believe what you're saying. 
or just playing it that way because that's what they're told to do is like be disinterested. You don't want them to think they have something, you know. Meanwhile, just like panic sweating. Yeah, just freak taking these copious notes. Like I gotta write it all down. This is incredible. It's probably just like Venus or something. Yeah, you know, planet hovering above your car. Just jerking it to yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so Betty uh, Betty wrote that she and Barney were considering uh, hypnosis to help recall what had happened. Her later was eventually passed on to Walter and Webb, a Boston astronomer and NICAP member. Uh, Webb went to meet with the Hills in October of that year, uh, and in a six-hour interview, they pretty much related everything that they could remember of the UFO encounter. Uh, Barney asserted that he had developed what he felt like was sort of a mental block and suspected that there were some portions of the event that he did not wish to remember. He described in detail all that he could remembering about the craft and all the appearance of the somehow not human T-Rex hands figures that were aboard of the craft, and Webb stated that that, uh, they were telling the truth and incident... Yeah, sorry. Webb stated that T-Rex hands, they were telling the truth, and the incident probably occurred exactly as reported, except for some minor uncertainties and technicalities that must be tolerated in any such observations where human judgment is involved. Uh, things such as, you know, like exact time and length of visibility, apparent size of objects and occupants, distance side of things yeah. like that. There's going to be a little bit of that here and there. It's not going to be the same or accurate because people's brains. People's mm. brains. Uh, one of the other things, this is one of the ones that really sold me on it. Like I read through a lot of this and looked into some of it and it was somewhat, I was a little skeptical. You know, I didn't want to just like, eh, sure. But one of, one of the big things that, I don't know, kind of convinced me a lot more that they're credible is uh, two two major things, Betty's dreams and also when they would go through their, uh, not just their, not their therapy, but their um, hypnosis, mm-hmm. therapeutic hypnosis to kind of try and find any other potential memories that they lost down in there. Those two really kind of hit a nail on the head for me when it comes to thinking that this might have something to it. So 10 days after the uh, encounter, Betty had begun uh, having a very a series of very very vivid dreams. They continued for five successive nights, uh, and as she put it, she never really remembers ever having any kind of a dream with so much detail or intensity in her her life. But they stopped abruptly after five nights and never returned again. Uh, sh- they pretty much kind of haunted her for a while, and when she finally did mention them to Barney, he was sympathetic but not too concerned, and they pretty much just dropped it. He didn't necessarily think that they meant anything you just you feel this way it sucks sorry yeah. about that it doesn't like nobody's trying to tell you something we're sorry we're sorry what were the dreams so uh in november of 1961 she began writing down the details of the dreams uh, in in one dream she and barney encountered a roadblock and uh men who surrounded their car uh, potentially the roadblock that they talked about earlier that they both kind of remembered. She lost consciousness but struggled to regain it. She then realized that she was being forced by two small men to walk in a forest in the nighttime. And seeing Barney walking behind her, though when she called out to him, he seemed to be in some kind of a trance or potentially sleepwalking. The men stood about five feet to five foot five, somewhere in there, five, five and a half. Little guys. Uh, little, just, just little guys, little Tom Cruise fellas. <laughs> uh, and they wore matching blue uniforms with caps similar to those worn by military cadets. They appeared to be, as she put it, nearly human with black eyes, black hair, uh, or sorry, black hair, dark eyes, and prominent noses and bluish lips with a kind of grayish tint to their skin. In her dreams also, Betty uh, and Barney and the men would all uh, wall walked up a ramp into a disc-shaped craft of metallic appearance. 
Once uh, once they were inside, they were separated. She protested a little bit, but the the men, the one that she would later come to call T Rex hands, the leader. Uh, she, he said that if she and Barney were examined together, it would take a lot longer to do the exams, so they're just gonna separate them real quick and do the, mm-hmm. do the exams. Just get them out of the way. So they were taken to separate rooms. Uh, Betty, so then... Was this, was this, like, an ongoing series? Yeah, consecutive, five dreams, consecutive dreams. Damn. Which each night she like... had, like, more and more in each one. Uh, Damn. Betty then dreamt that a new man, similar to the others, entered to conduct her exam with the leader. Uh, Betty called this new man the examiner, T-Rex hands. <clears throat> and said that he had a pleasant, calm manner. Though the leader and the examiner spoke to her in English, the examiner's command of the language seemed imperfect, and she had some difficulty understanding him. He told Betty that he would conduct a few tests to note the differences between humans and the craft's occupants. He seated her on a chair, and a uh, bright light was, you know, shown on her face or whatever. The man cut off a lock of her hair, uh, examined her eyes, ears, mouth, teeth, throats, and hands. He shaved some, uh, or saved some trimmings of her fingernails, and examining her legs and feet, the man used a dull knife similar to a letter opener to scrape a little bit of her skin into what resembled cellophane. He then tested her nervous system, and he thrust a needle into her navel. Belly button. For the layman. For the layman. Uh, which caused Betty a lot of pain, at which point the leader, she said, waved his hand in front of her eyes, and the pain suddenly vanished. Uh, at this point, the examiner left the room, and Betty engaged in conversation with the T-Rex hands leader. She picked up a book with a row of strange symbols on it that the leader said she could take home with her. Uh, she also asked where they came from, and he pulled down an instructional map dotted with stars. And, you know, over there, where these stars are. You see that one? Right is, there. Yeah, That's over home. this way. That's home. Oh, cool. Uh, in her dream account, the men uh, began to escort the hills from the ship when a disagreement broke out. The leader then informed Betty that she couldn't keep the book, oh. stating that they had decided that the other men did not want her to even remember the encounter at all. So uh, Betty insisted, though, that no matter what they did to her memory, one day she would recall these events. Uh, pretty badass last words from some random-ass white lady. <laughs> <laughs> she and Barney were taken to their car where the leader suggested that they would, uh, That's should exactly wait. That's what they said when they left. That's one badass white badass lady. Badass white bitch, fuck. <laughs> um, that gave me chills. <laughs> She's gonna go places. Uh, yeah, they, they were returned to their car, the, to their car, and the leader suggested that they should wait and watch the craft's departure. They did that, and then eventually resumed their drive, which is probably around the time that their memory started to come back to them. So, my question is, when she yes. was recounting <clears throat> this dream to Barney, did he, like, not have any memory himself, or did that seem, like, familiar, or, like... I think at the time of the dream, no. Uh, because the thing is that he does which we're going to kind of get into in a minute, he does go through uh, therapeutic hypnosis to try and see what else he can remember. And a lot of what he does remember actually corroborates both what she says when she goes into hypnosis and both of those things, not 100%, but mostly corroborate her dreams. Okay. So a lot of what... That's just like, you said, when you said like, she told him the dreams and he just kind of like, eh, dismissed it. It's like, yeah. it was like a week later after they were... A, yeah, had this encounter and like probably abducted by aliens. Like I had yeah. these dreams about this stuff happening. He's just like, I don't think it's a big deal. We should probably just yeah. shouldn't worry about that. Well, his <laughs> his biggest thing too is that he was he was skeptical. Like she, her sister had seen the UFO potentially. She was open to the idea, but he had pretty much from the get go was like, fuck no. Yeah. Until he, as I saw, uh, used his uh, you know mailman expertise to identify not an airplane of course his mailman powers his mailman powers to realize that is no plane nor is it a superman 
that is a UFO. I my mailman senses are tingling. My mailman senses are tingling. <laughs> there are aliens in that fucking disc. Uh, yeah, but but I, as we all know, it takes a mailman to uh, decipher whether it is uh, an airplane or a UFO. Yes, yeah. Hover, hovering above your car. Uh, yeah, it takes a child to raise a village. It takes a mailman to raise that village. <laughs> I said that backwards. That's fine. Yeah. Takes a child to raise a village. <laughs> That's a terrible village. Especially that South who, Park episode. Where who it's... even hired the mailman? A child wouldn't have the wherewithal to do that. What, what, what was? What is the saying you're trying to say? It takes a village to raise a child, and a mailman to raise a village. All right, there you go. There we go. It doesn't really land as well the third time through. It takes a village. Like, I don't know who this. I don't know who this child is, but he's doing great. <laughs> Um, Raising a whole village our, by himself. Yeah, our Lord and Savior, Mike Robiel. Mike Robiel <laughs> raised the whole village and then raised that mailman himself. Hey. And Mike lo, Robiel the UPS. The <laughs> Mike Robiel is the mailman? Mike oh Robiel my is gosh. <laughs> We're blowing these theories wide open. Fantastic. Look at us getting things done. Look at, so, look at us. We're doing great. Let's. Uh, we got time. Yeah, let's hit one more of these real quick. Hit a segment, maybe uh, do some stuff. So medical help and some more interviews they did. So in November of 1961, uh, specifically addressing the missing time from their memories, the Hills were interviewed by NICAP members, uh, this time a couple guys named C.D. Jackson and Robert E. Hoffman. H-O-H-M-A-N-N. I, like, I fucking love how him doing that caused you to yawn. <laughs> That was uh, amazing. Although yeah. the Hills had noted that they had arrived home later than anticipated, the drive should still have only taken about four hours. They claimed not to have realized that they had arrived home seven hours after their departure from Colebrook. So that's yeah. three lost hours. Maybe two if you stop for, like, bathroom breaks and shit, but still. And they said it was, like, they had traveled, what, like, 35 miles? Mm-hmm. The opposite direction. Oh or gosh. the wrong direction, at least. Uh, when Hammond and the Jacksons noted this discrepancy to the hills, the couple had no explanation. And that's a question. I have a question. Yes. <laughs> um, did they look into, so after they were like, came back to or whatever from mm-hmm. like consciousness, um, said that was when they saw like the roadblock with the thing on fire? It was before. That was immediately after, uh, that, that was like during the throes of that to happening. So they, they heard the sounds and the noises. They started to kind of lose consciousness and get a little bit weird. And what little things they do remember between that moment and the moment of coming back to consciousness, what little bits and pieces okay. involve the roadblock, they both the glowing orb. that, I guess? Between uh, their consciousness memories of what they do remember and their uh, therapeutic sessions <laughs> doing the, the stuff. Yes, they do. I always Hypnosis. feel like I'm asking you questions that you probably don't know the answer to, but I guess you've read this more than... Uh, I've, I've I read through this whole did, article, so, so they, if like, this has the answers, I do have. <laughs> did they, like, look into that on, like, any, like, incident reports or police, like... Roadblock areas and stuff? Like a roadblock or like something on fire? Uh, the police probably not, but the hills themselves did try to find it. They could not find it again. Um, it wasn't really something on fire, but yeah, the glowing orb. They, that's just how they described it. It looked like maybe something on fire, but they weren't okay. really sure. It didn't. It wasn't like a fire. It was some kind of a round, glowy red thing. Okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah, the, the, the couple couldn't really explain the missing hours, however, which is a phenomenon called missing time. That ufologists have called missing ufologists. Time. I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Hills claimed to recall Not almost identified flyingologists. <laughs> <laughs> the oh my god! What do we call it when people can't find 
can't remember some time yeah, that they may have lost. We'll call it lost time. <laughs> Damn it, Robbie, you're a goddamn great UFOlogist. <laughs> but that just reminds Unidentified me of, flyingologist. That reminds me of like they put like holic at the like a chocoholic and stuff like mm-hmm. that. It's like that's not that's not that's not what that should be. Yeah. It's like a UFOlogist. Like no, that's not that's not what that word should be. Uh, I anyway. love it. I love it. Studying UFO science. Uh, but yeah, the the Hills claim to pretty much recall almost nothing about that 35-mile trip between uh, Lincoln and Indian Head in Ashland. Um, both claim to recall an image of a fiery orb sitting on the ground. Betty and Barney reason that it must have been the moon. But Hallman and Jackson informed them that the moon had set earlier in the evening. Uh, the subject of hypnosis came up and it was decided... Yeah, the moon does that sometimes. It sets. Yeah, I guess you're right. That just sounded weird. It does mm. sound weird. But I guess... The moon rises. Out there. The Earth had rotated past the point of seeing the moon. It's just a that's projection. That's what you prefer. Does the... The aliens the turned moon the moon the off. The, the aliens turned the moon off. What time does the uh, roadster set? <laughs> <laughs> Can we see it? All times. Everywhere. The roadster is always watching. <laughs> The roadster is always At some point we'll the roadster is always watching and he's telling microbial what you're up to so be good <laughs> at some point will science tell us that like if you look in the sky at this time on this day you'll see a tesla i feel like elon musk will probably tell you I if mean, you ask him i'm pretty sure you can probably already google that yeah. i saw like when I, sc- I scrolled down there's some like satellite images yeah. of like pretty sure that's a car up there <laughs> um Eventually, the subject of hypnosis, though, came up in these... Like dis- the E.T. thing of, like, the silhouette, but it's, like, the moon, and you just see a little car. <laughs> so good. Uh, sure. The subject of... Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's good. The subject of hypnosis, though, did eventually come up during these discussions, <laughs> and it was decided uh, that it should be carried out in order to elicit previously uh, irretrievable memories. Barney was apprehensive about it at first, but thought it might help Betty to uh, put to rest what Barney described as... This nonsense about her dreams. <laughs> Tell you what, Doc, this dame's screwy. <laughs> uh, by February of 1962, though, the Hills were making frequent weekend drives to the White Mountains, hoping to uh, revisit the site. Might actually kind of help them remember some more details. Loose. Yeah, they were a little bit unsuccessful, though, in trying to locate the site where they observed a fiery orb in the road. Uh, however, they were able to eliminate several possible routes, and they found what they think might have been the T-Rex hands capture site in 1965. Did they find, like, she said they, like, walked them through the woods or something? Did they find any woods? Yeah. I mean, there's woods all through that area, so anywhere in the woods. That's the thing, is if they could find the fiery orbs, they may have found where uh, they were walked through the woods. So, uh, I think we're going to go ahead and do a segment real quick here, guys, before we we get into the last little leg of the evening call it night. But this is uh, one of my personal favorites. Uh, it's from the brain of Keaton Patty. Hell yeah. Person who wrote the thousand bot stories that aren't really nice. bots. Uh, should we go live again? I feel like this is going to be a good one. <laughs> this is a good one. We could go live if Y'all you would like. To? Yeah, fuck yeah. Let's do it. <clears throat> That's right, Neewer. We're back. We're back. Neewer. Seven calendar days and we're back. <laughs> seven calendar days ago, we came live to you to play Theory, Truth, or Bullshit. Now, seven calendar days later. 
That's a different segment. This is something that we didn't come up with. We just take it and laugh at it. Uh, <laughs> resting on other people's laurels is what we call it. This, oh. though, is uh, our segment from the brain of uh, Keaton Patty, a comedian who wrote the, all of those wonderful little thousand-hour thousand, uh, thousand hour bot videos you guys may have seen online. Uh, this this week's thousand-hour bot video is uh, Antiques Roadshow. Oh, my oh, God. Man. <clears throat> Interior fat building. <laughs> Tens of people walk around, refusing to live in the present. We see an old lady talk to an appraiser. The old lady carries a pile of bones in a plastic bag. My grandfather gave me these bones before he stopped giving me things. These are the Civil War's bones, she says. Are you sure? The appraiser asks. I am old, she responds. <laughs> the appraiser tastes the bones, uh, as expected. Just what I thought. These are not the Civil War's bones, he says. Grandfather will pay for his lies. These bones are better. Grandfather will pay for his truths. These are the bones of the Titanic, the appraiser says. Ah, the famous water truck. <laughs> they are worth more than you can imagine, he tells her. The old lady imagines $9. <laughs> These bones are worth $53.17. The old lady jumps for joy. She never lands. $9. The civil... She's just floating. She like never lands. She is somewhere beyond Elon Musk's Tesla in space. The Civil War's bones are still missing. This matters. <laughs> it does. And that was from it's the brain of the spaghetti. This matters. This matters. <laughs> Their watches never worked again. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Oh, <laughs> man. All righty, guys. No one's, no one's watching. That's right. No one's watching. No one's listening. No one's watching. No one's listening. It should be. But I'm enjoying myself. <laughs> I enjoy your guys' company. This is great. Oh, Jimmy's back. Jimmy's back. All right. Hey, Jimmy. Mm. I was just about to end this, but I guess uh, I guess we'll keep it, keep it going. Keep it going for Jimmy. Thanks for coming back. Oh, God. So, uh, the last thing we're going to talk about, though, when it comes to the Hills is their first public disclosure. I really love this because Jimmy has no idea what's going on. <laughs> None whatsoever. Uh, but you got to listen to the podcast. Yes. Uh, in March 1963, though, the Hills first publicly discussed the U... What are you doing? I hate both of you so much right now. You're like, you're like children acting out at a party. Yeah. Like, as soon as there's people to watch... You're out of fucking control. We had to get rid of the Slim Jim. I forgot about that. Because he just got... I mean, it was a whole week ago. (laughs) Why would you remember that? (laughs) (laughs) So in 1963, uh, Betty and Barney Hill Rubble went uh, first publicly discussed the UFO encounter with a group at their church. Not what I would have expected, but... That's who they went with. Uh, in September of 63, Captain Sweat returns. You know who's really accepting and open-minded? Let's talk to the people at our church. <laughs> Said no one, Said no one ever, ever with a real thing to talk about. 
So, uh, not, not long after that, though, uh, Captain Sweat uh, returns back to talk to them. After the lecture, the Hills told uh, him that Barney should go see a psychiatrist and Mr. Stevens, whom he liked and trusted. Uh, Captain Sweat suggested that Barney ask Stevens about his hypnosis because he'd been seeing a therapist. Um, when Barney next met with Stevens, he uh, did decide to ask about hypnosis. They got referred to a guy named uh, Hills. Uh, sorry. He got... They're the Hills. Rubble. Rubble. I <laughs> the am Rubble. I am, I am the baby. I, I am the baby. Am the baby. <laughs> uh, Stevens referred the Hills to Benjamin Simon of Boston, and later on, uh, the Hills spoke before a UFO study group, uh, the two-state UFO study group at Quincy Center in Massachusetts. So that was, you know... Basically, they didn't really talk about this a whole lot up until about 1963, about two years later. They really started coming out to be a little bit more open about it because they'd pretty much been plagued with the either the dreams or just fucking anxiety or bad memories and thoughts ever since. Yeah, it's got to be a bummer. Yeah. Uh, the Hills first I have met... enough anxiety as is. Yeah, imagine sleep. getting sucked up into a spaceship ima- and then having a... Imagine being abducted by <laughs> aliens. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a lot like being born. Afterwards, you're just like, but why am I still here? <laughs> I, I, definitely, I would just like, I'd tap out and be like, yeah, yeah there's no point. That's here's, all here's I wanted. Question, here's a question, though. If their um, technology has gotten better... Oh, oh, hey, y'all. Hey, Dad. Hey, other Dad. Well, I have, I have two dads watching. Oh, should should either of them be watching? They've all been warned. Okay. <laughs> uh, but no, if their technology has gotten better, maybe they're able to abduct you and actually erase that from your memory. Oh. How would you know? Potentially. Maybe we already have. Maybe you we know, should already. We we should probably just go ahead and kill ourselves, <laughs> just in case. Just in case. So the aliens you don't know. win. We should kill ourselves. Uh, you know. You know, like when you black out and you think it was alcohol, but maybe it was just aliens. Aaron, Aaron's leaving. So I'm not an I'm not an alcoholic. I just have an, an abdu- I have an alien abduction out. problem. I just I mean, blacking I, out means you're not an alcoholic. Yeah, I yeah. never black. Out. <laughs> 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 oh man. Anywho, uh, the Hills though eventually met the Simon guy. What was his fucking name? Benjamin Simon of uh, of. Boston, from Boston. Uh, they eventually met him in December of 1963. Early in their discussion, Simon the determined that the UFO encounter... Uh, probably. Oh, never mind. That was a, that was a fake out. Oh, my God. So, uh, it, later on, though, it's... Uh, fucking... I'm trying so hard. There's one sentence here, and I can't... <laughs> uh, in general, though, when they first started talking to him, though, Simon pretty much just dismissed the UFO encounter in general. He determined, however, that the encounter was causing Barney a lot more worry and anxiety than he would admit, so that he did think that potentially going through the therapy and definitely going through uh, some kind of uh, hypnosis might be helpful to him to get past that. Um, Once they kind of warmed up to the idea, they eventually agreed to uh, go under an experimental hypnosis with Dr. Simon to try and work through their issues. And we will pick up with that... (gasps) and talk about their actual hypnosis sessions next week, which is pretty fascinating because that's where it really starts to tie together for me because they're oh, hypnotized man. and you're digging around in their got psyche. A cliffhanger. Got a cliff ca- cliffhanger over here. We're all tongue-twisted tongue up over here. So we're going to take our twisted tongues and we're going to get the fuck out of here real quick. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening to us and uh, I guess the people on the gram at home watching our live stream this evening. We <laughs> Thanks, Jimmy. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Dad. 
Uh, thank you guys so much for listening and hanging out with us, though. Uh, you, of course, can always reach out to us and let us know what you think about the show or what you hate about the show or any other ideas of things you might want us to talk about, conspiracy theory-wise, or just other shit down the road. Uh, you can reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Contortions and email us at Contortions at gmail.com. You can find me, your host, at the John Henry on Twitter and Instagram. You can find Aaron at Aaron.Shaver on Twitter at... No, not Twitter, just Instagram. And you can find Tyler at Quaylu Charlie on Twitter and Buzz has Woody on Instagram. Oh, I actually changed it. Oh yeah, we, yeah. That's you don't usually normally it's like one and done. You stick with it. What's it? What's it now? That grandpa's lies. <laughs> <laughs> you can find Tyler like that <laughs> at Grandpa's Lies on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, well, that's gonna do it for us, folks. Thanks for hanging out. Please be sure to share this with a friend or whatever. And uh, grandpa's lies. <laughs> nice, nice. Grandpa's lies. All right, I'm done. Be sure. <laughs> Don't let to... grandpa's lies get you. Yeah, that's it. Okay, and we're gonna done. leave all this in. That's it. Thanks so much, everybody. Don't let grandpa get you. Ugh. Don't let grandpa's sciatica get you. Don't let the sciatica get you. <laughs> Don't let the sciatica get you. None of that. Don't like any of that. <laughs> <laughs> Keep Grandpa away from me. How about that?